What if you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious? Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Hello, everyone. I am so glad to be joined today by Dr. Dawn Graham. I'm excited to speak with her because I've been getting a lot more questions about the best way to make career switches, and that is an area of expertise for Dawn. Dawn is a career switch coach, TEDx speaker, and LinkedIn instructor, and for six years was the host of the popular call-in show, Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM Radio. She is also a regular contributor to Forbes.com and was formerly the career director for the executive MBA program at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Today, we're going to be talking about her book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success, which combines her experience as a career coach, licensed psychologist, and former corporate recruiter to give career switchers the strategies to break through obstacles and land the job they want. Dawn, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm excited to be here, Kathy. So I'd love to start by even just, this might seem like a silly question, but I'd like to define like, what do we even mean by career switch? And I, partly because I think sometimes people might think any job switch is a career switch and also might think each type, they might only may see career switches as only being one type of way to make a career switch. So I wanted to see if you could just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. So, so in the book, I break it down into four different levels, but, but, um, since then there's probably even more than four, but that's how I define it in the book switchers. So, um, you know, a, a career switch that most people think of is, Hey, I'm just changing jobs. And, and, you know, that certainly is one type of switch, but really what the book focuses on are the ones that are a little bit more challenging than, than going from one job to the next, doing something similar. So the, the, least challenging one is an industry switch. So doing a similar function, say you're a recruiter in one company, um, maybe in pharma, and then moving to being a recruiter in tech, that would be an industry switch. The The next level of challenge would be doing a functional switch. So maybe you stay in pharma, but you go from being a recruiter to perhaps being in marketing. And then the most challenging switch would be a complete change of function and industry. So this is one, there's a lot of examples of this. It might be you're moving from the military to a civilian role. So you're doing something um, very, very different in a very different environment. Or it could be that you're just changing industries and functions at the same time, or maybe you're leaving the workforce to start your own business. So there's a lot of different types of switches. And that's those more challenging ones are really what the book focuses on. Mm, I appreciate that. So hopefully that gives people some additional context. And then I wanted to start because I'm going to jump pretty quickly into, 
I think where I, I appreciate where you start the book, which is like to give people some reality, a reality check about what does it mean and what is the experience of going through a career switch. But I wanted to start with the optimistic side, which is almost like, why should people be optimistic and kind of motivated to consider a career switch if it's seeming like that might be the best thing for them? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the easy answer is life is short. You spend a lot of time at work. And if you find that you're, you're, you know, you're climbing the ladder, but you're not on the right ladder, it can seem daunting to, to get on a different ladder. But again, it's, it's really that time you're spending, um, and the, the joy it brings you or the financial rewards or whatever is really important to you. If you're not seeing it in your day to day and you find yourself rationalizing that, well, I guess this isn't so bad, or, you know, this two hour commute, even though it's driving me crazy, I can handle it. I mean, those things, those things are not going to get inherently better. Now, sometimes you can fix some things. Maybe if you're commute is terrible, you can find something that's remote. But in reality, if you're not on the right path, getting on the right path, while it can feel like a little bit of an uphill climb, when you ultimately get there can change everything. Mm. I love starting there because I think that motivation, even framing it that way, and we're probably going to talk about loss aversion at some point in this conversation, because even just hearing you say that, to me, frames it in a way where now I'm going to come into the reality of things. Um, it, it it makes it, uh, I'm more, even for myself, just hearing that if I were in that situation, I'm a little more energized, right? To kind of say like, okay, I hear what some of the realities might be and what some of the challenges are, but I want that. I feel like I'm on the wrong path and it's going to be worth the effort to get on the right path. So one of the things I really appreciate about the book is that you, there is straight talk in the book, Don. You kind of like tell people these realities and you start out that way. I really appreciated the first chapters on this topic of like, are you a switcher? And I feel like, again, it's a great place to get people to start. And I'm curious if you, I mean, obviously people can go read the entire book, which gives them both these kind of the mindsets and the attitudes to kind of, kind of get themselves into as they're going into a switch. But you also give a lot of practical advice as well. But I'm curious uh, if you if we could start with kind of what do you want people to know and kind of have their eyes wide open about as they step into a career switch? Yeah, no, I, I I love how optimistic you are about about starting there and then going to the okay, let's talk about the some of the harder parts. And and I do I was purposeful when I wrote the book to be very direct because anybody who's been in any kind of job search knows that it's, it's not a fun process. Let's face it. It can feel a little demoralizing, uh, you know, when you, you don't hear back from companies or you feel like you had a great interview and then you, nothing happens or you get rejected. I mean, the job search is not for the faint of heart and a switch is certainly not something that a lot of people, um, when they think about a job search, they, they approach it in the same way. And it can be a lot harder, it can take a little bit longer. So I feel like if you know that going in, if you set the expectation, when you start this process, you're going to be more realistic about it. And you're going to keep a better attitude about it when you get that first rejection or when you reach out to a network contact and they don't get back to you. Because the fact is all of those things will happen. And if you know about it going in, you're going to be more prepared for it. 
Yeah. Well, you have in the book, these foundational kind of attitudes that you think are really important for people to step into. And I appreciate how in the book, you kind of walk through each of them and show and demonstrate how each of these are really important to really get to that successful transition. And so you talk about responsibility, reality, risk, and resilience. And that this, you kind of bringing up this reality check component of it, like understand that it's hard. And if you go in with that set as an expectation, it's going to help you and probably build into that resilience. But I'm curious if you can say a little bit more about responsibility as well, because this is something that definitely comes up often in the book in terms of you say, like, keep the ball in your court. How do you think about that? Yeah, I think one of the things that we all need to keep in mind, regardless of the type of job search you're going for, is that the onus is on us. We we may expect that the hiring process is linear and logical and, and makes sense and it's rational. But the, the fact is, anybody who's been in a recruiting role or anybody who's hired in a company knows that there's a lot of craziness going on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of things that can happen that we as a job seeker aren't privy to. So I always say, do the work for them. So do the work for them in terms of figuring out what you want to do, be very clear about your path, figuring out how your transferable skills align with the goals the company or the job is trying to accomplish. And then tell that story in your resume, in your LinkedIn, in your networking, in your interview, because a lot of us, I mean, if we think about how we we get on a path, we, we many of us trip into it. What our friends did, or what you know, seemed like uh, the best job in the the campus recruiting <laughs> pool, or what have you, and then we become a little bit more knowledgeable, and and we become experts, and we um, maybe get rewarded, and we start to carry that as our identity. And when we make a switch, we want to rely on that because it's comfortable for us. It's gotten us where we are today. But I think when you're making a switch, one of the things you have to do is completely rebrand. And that honestly does not feel very comfortable for most of us because our jobs, our careers, we make that our identity. We wrap it around us like a, you know, a comfy blanket. And when we're trying to do something new, especially if we've established ourselves it becomes a little bit uncomfortable and we want to cling on to those, those accomplishments that have, have made us successful. But this is where we have to be brave and shed that and be the, the person that is going to be successful in the new role. And most of us have those transferable skills. They may not be uh, what we've been doing for, for most of our career, but they're there and it's a little bit scary, but they have to be at the forefront so that employers can see us in this new way. Yeah, there's a lot embedded in what you just shared. And one of the threads I'm going to pull through is this idea of like the identity crisis that, that happens. And this is one of the things that I know I feel like people get surprised by oftentimes as they're going through these transitions is this kind of identity crisis. And I appreciated that you wrote about like when you're going through this as well to lean into letting go of the title and leaning into again, instead rather the value that you bring. Can you say a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I think um, when you're looking at, at accomplishing anything, I mean, there's always a goal and you have to look at, um, you know, who am I as a person in this job search and what is going to be most attractive to the employer? And we all have this value and, and we are we are much more than our title. We are much more than our degree. We are much more than, than anything on our resume. And I I think one of the things we tend to do is get tied to to a couple of key things, again, that made us successful, but we have to really analyze our value as it relates to the current market, as it relates to our the entirety of things we've done, including volunteer experiences, including um, you know, education, people we know, projects we've accomplished. And so I think one of the things I say in the book a lot is, you know, you need to be confident in yourself and your abilities, because if you're not, then the employer is not going to be confident. So when I work with switchers, one of the first questions I ask them when they say, I want to do this job, I ask, are you confident that you can do it? And what I really want to hear is a resounding yes, <laughs> because even if you're not sure how to approach the job search, or maybe you don't know all the nuances of the new industry or the new function, if you have that confidence in yourself that you can lean on your previous experience, lean on those lessons you bring to the table and be able to shape them to meet the new employer's need, then that confidence is going to take you much further <laughs> than anything else that you do in your job search. Yeah, I really love that you pulled this through. And I, as I sat with the book a little bit more and thought about it, it really resonated with me on a number of levels because on the one hand, there's a part of me that thinks about, um, you know, people getting first, like clear about what they even want to go after, right? And that that can take some time to get there. But you really talk about this idea of getting clear on your plan A. And then you also talk about getting clear on your brand value proposition and, and making sure that that's really solidified for you. And then also really getting clear about what your career story is. And I mean, when I've prepared for interviews in the past, I'm like, well, of course I kind of have that clear, but I haven't always. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and when I sat with that for a little bit, I'm like, yeah, if you really have, if you're a switcher and you have gotten really clear on those three components, you are going to walk into that interview with a much different mindset as well as kind of in, in, how your tone is going to be and how you're going to come across because there's so much clarity there in terms of, and you, as you say, you're connecting the dots for the recruiter. And so, cause I was going to ask you actually, Don, well, how do people step into that confidence? You know, uh, cause you kind of, you do pull that forward. And I'm like, well, if you, you also talk about, you need to be prepared. And if you prepare these couple of things, it's not like it's easy to get there and get it crystallized and clear, but if you have those more clear, you're certainly going to be a lot more confident. Yeah. And I think that's one reality that, that we can dig into because it's really easy to say, be confident, right? That's what does that mean? And one of the things I talk about in the book is that this isn't a fast process. So if you're looking to make a major switch, this is one of those pieces of reality that I, I outline up front. 
is it's going to take some time. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And they're good reasons, actually, because one, we're changing our identity. We're, we're looking at everything we've done in the past and we're rearranging it and we're trying it on differently. And in order for you to have that confidence, you have to spend some time with that. You have to spend some time introducing yourself differently. You have to spend some time rearranging or redoing your LinkedIn or your resume and and getting comfortable with that. And that's a really important part of this process because anyone can help you write your resume and make it look like you're a perfect candidate for another job. But if somebody else does that for you and you don't do that work, that confidence won't be there. You really need to go through that process. You can certainly partner with a coach or partner with somebody to do it, but you really have to go through that to get that confidence and build that new identity. So it feels very real to you. And that's why I tell people, you know, give yourself some time and and sit with it and struggle with it because that's a huge part of being successful as a switcher. I appreciate that you're bringing this up. This is one of the things that I also think people kind of get surprised by or they get wrong when they're going into a switch as you're acknowledging, which is it takes time. And Mm -hmm. I often have people reach out to me as well And they're thinking, my sense is they're thinking this is a three month process. And it's like, just be prepared. Like, and and this is your, you know, one of the things that I think both of us like Herminia Ibarra in her book, Working Identity, and I refer to it often. And I think there, I wanted to get your perspective on this actually, Don, because I am with you in terms of you saying it's really helpful for people if they can get clear on their plan A. And I was, as I was sitting with this again and preparing for our conversation, even how you titled this chapter really helped me solidify the importance of this in my own head, because you say the chapter is, if you don't invest, why should they? Mm-hmm. And why this resonated with me is like, I have in the past, I will admit, gone into interviews where I will admit I'm using the interviews as a testing ground. I'm testing my plan C. And guess what? I didn't show up the best in those Mm -hmm. interviews, both like, I I just didn't. And I knew that it was off and I'm, I I can sure bet, of course I didn't get the jobs. You know, they could sense that it was off as well. I wasn't standing in my plan A and yet I'm curious what you think about, because I think getting to that clarity and getting to that surety of like, this is the plan A I'm going to move forward with for now. And, and I'm going to stand in that confidence. But I believe like there may be for some people, some people are really clear on where they want to go. And for some people, they need to test their way into that. And Herminia Bar kind of talks about that. And as you said, we're trying on these different identities. So I'm curious, like what you think about, like, does, do people have to stay in that kind of messiness? And that also takes time, right? And then like, even when you're in your plan A, as you're saying, that takes time too, because you're still learning and you might be sharpening as you're like standing in that plan A, you might be sharpening what you're looking for. Yeah, you're definitely sharpening. And I, you know, I I think this is one of the things that, that people hate to hear that you have to spend time in that uncomfortable place, but you really do. And that is where, as you mentioned, you refine a lot of what you want to do, because I think the, the first step of many switchers that I've worked with is I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And that's, that's sign one, but the most important part of being a successful switcher is defining that plan A. So if if you know, you don't want to be doing what you're doing, but you haven't defined that plan A, there can be a lot of work that goes into that. And, and again, that takes time. But while you're doing that, you're also building your network. You're also, again, trying things on, becoming comfortable 
um, seeing yourself in different ways. And so that's that's pretty critical. And I'll tell you, I, I think plan A is so important that I almost named the book that. I almost named the book Forget Plan B. Um, but I get a lot of pushback from people on this section, career coaches and other people use it. They're like, I, I don't understand why you make such an emphasis on defining your plan A. And I, and I think the book really goes into it in a little bit more detail. But I mean, the simple reason is, is because if you aren't a hundred percent in, why should somebody pay you to do this? If, if you, um, you know, I, if there's a lot of research out there that talks about if you have a plan B, then maybe you're not as confident <laughs> in yourself as you thought you were, and that's going to come through. And so people who cast a broad net, as a switcher think this is going to be helpful because I'm opening up my options. But in reality, what happens is a hiring manager or hiring panel, they see that doubt. It comes through, as you mentioned, um, and, and it, it really does hinder the process. So that's why I think you can't do a brand on LinkedIn. You know, you can't try to be everything to everybody. So when you go all in and people, I know people are thinking and they say, well, but what if it doesn't work out? And, you know, I need to pay my bills. And yes, all those things are real. But the reality is you always have a plan B because you always have the skills that you bring to the table. If you decide it's not for you, you can always go back to what you were doing prior. So none of those things go away. Just because you, you, you go out and try to be an entrepreneur and you decide you don't like it, you're only growing. So there's always that inherent plan B. But the point being is that if, if you don't go all in, um, say for a set period of time, say I'm going to go all in for a year, chances are you're not going to get there, not because you're not qualified, not because you don't have the ability to do it, but because you, you have that that little piece in the back of your mind that that's holding you back. So I think that is really a critical part of the plan. Mm. It makes me think of actually an actor that hasn't gotten fully into, right? Like what the the um, character that they're playing in, in some respects. And I don't mean it to say like we're faking it, but in some respects we are right. And we're kind of taking on, as we've been saying, a new working identity in this character. So I did want to bring into this because this idea of commitment, I, I loved uh, both, um, a quote that you have, and then another quote that you bring forward in the book. So one is you say 99% is a bitch, but 100% is a breeze. And then you quote Frederick Wilcox, who said, you can't steal second base and keep one foot on first. And so I love those quotes. And I wonder if there's any, I mean, because how you talked about the 99% as a bitch quote is actually really helped me again, better understand where you were going with the plan A kind of comment. Yeah. In all fairness, that is not my quote. I don't okay. know where it came from, but I, I did see it and I put it in there um, because I think it is, it's, uh, and I think there's a um, like a, an analogy next to it that talks about, you know, if you have a glass of water and you're, you're you know, desperately thirsty, but a, a drop of sewer water <laughs> gets in there, it's like, you're not going to drink that because it's like all of a sudden tainted. It, that's, that's kind of the idea is that if, if you're hesitant, everything becomes harder. You know, you, you, if you go all in now, you don't have to worry about any of the other stuff cluttering up your mind. <laughs> Yeah, I just love that. It really has helped me, Don, and like even for myself, kind of be like, what are you going to squarely stand in and mm -hmm. own? And I, I can 
I can sense how powerful that is in, in helping people be able to move forward. So um, one of the things I wanted to come back to also in terms of one of your foundational attitudes was risk. And the reason here too, and we've kind of talked about, well, maybe, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, which is one of the other things that people might get surprised by or have this, this relates to reality too, is the, 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 cause I'm going to say the reality, like, how do I, you know, they're, they often struggle with stepping back and what the potential implications of that are, or the fact that if they do do a career switch, for example, they might have to take a lower role than they were at in pri- previously, or that they might then have a pay cut that gets associated with that. And oftentimes people don't have as much optionality built into their, their life infrastructure, if you will, to allow for that. And I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit too, because I think sometimes people have this loss aversion that you talk about. And I'm wondering if you have some thoughts on like, how do, how can people get past that if they're struggling with that? But yet, you know, this whole notion, we go back to the beginning of being motivated to change. You know, that's one way of kind of getting past that loss aversion. But this is where a lot of people really get stuck. Yeah, and this is where a lot of people decide that a career switch isn't for them. And, you know, sometimes it's not for you right now and that's okay. Um, Or sometimes you realize that the grass isn't greener and that maybe you want to pursue that as a hobby. And that's okay. But uh, the idea of loss aversion is that we as humans, um, it's a, it's, you know, survival technique, but we tend to weight the negative much, much more so than the positive of equal value. So I see a lot of people who are very excited when they identify their plan A and I can't wait to do this. And I, I'm, you know, they, they start to see themselves in this new role, but then they look at the realities that, wow, as I've been looking at jobs, there's nothing in my area and I might need to move. Or I didn't realize that the pay is, is less than what I'm making now, or, I probably can't start as the boss. I might need to start as, you know, a lower level. And, and you know, all of these things are a reality, not in every switch at all. I mean, certainly some may be and some may not be, but they're also not always permanent. A lot of these things are temporary. Again, thinking about getting on the right ladder, you may have to start a few rungs down, but you're now on the right ladder and this is an energizing role. You're going to put your heart into it and you're going to excel and succeed, right? And so those are some of the things I tell people you have to think about. These are realities and you have to weigh what is of value to you, what is the right timing for you, and if this is something that makes sense. So that's different for everyone, of course. But again, it's my it's my real speak in terms of here's all the things you might want to think about as you're pursuing this. Yep, that's great. Well, in building on that, I you know, I was asked this question and I figured I'm talking with you, the experts, so I might as well ask you what you might think about this. And it builds on what we've been talking about so far, but like, how do you have, how does one find the courage to go, to do that potential go backwards in order to go forward? And what are smart ways to think about doing that? Yeah, courage is is a tough one because especially if you've attained a level of, of expertise, you have a reputation, this requires completely putting your ego aside. I've switched careers a lot. And sometimes you feel like 
uh, you were dropped on the earth yesterday. It's like, wow, in my last role, I was running the company essentially. And now I feel like I don't know anything. And, and that does require a, um, you know, stepping back from that ego and saying, I did this for a reason. I did this to learn. I did this because it's new and it's exciting and it's going to put me on the right ladder. So I think you know, you, a lot of the answer to the questions you're asking are the awareness of it. And I think that's why, um, although most of the book, most of Switchers deals with the tactical aspects of building your new network, building your new brand, um, you know, solidifying your plan A, how to, how to answer interview questions. The first, the first few chapters really focus on that that hard reality, because I want people to know that these things are going to come up. And if you're aware of them, that's half the battle right there. Okay. Loss aversion is kicking in. Um, yes, I have to leave my, my colleagues who I really like, but I'm going to meet new colleagues. Right. And, and I need to weigh those, um, a little bit more equally because you know, one is not worse than the other. So when you know that, you can face these things with a little bit more objectivity versus letting your mind run away. And, and I'm a licensed psychologist. So trust me when I say, I know how easy it is for our minds to, to catastrophize or go down a path where <laughs> we just start to spin and, um, you know, things, things just seem impossible, but that's why I wanted to be really realistic up front. Yeah. And that's something, as I've said already, that I've really appreciated about the book and I think is helpful to, to set set that expectation for people. Um, so they go into it, as I said earlier, with eyes wide open. So, um, well, we know one of the things that it, it, I can't let us not talk about because it's so important as it relates to, frankly, any job searching, um, but in particular for switching is networking. And of course, networking comes up around this, but it still continues to be something that people really struggle with and they continue to not be able to reframe for some reason into a more positive light such that they can kind of do it on a regular basis. And it's interesting to me that research continues to show that people kind of think it's something kind of dirty, you know? And like one of the things that I thought was really interesting about networking that I came across more in a business context was this idea of actually even creating a networking strategy. Like, and I, I kind of appreciated it because... That now that might say sound again to some people like a little too manipulative, but to me, I've really appreciated how other people have talked about relationship. I'm sorry, networking, and in, in addition to how you talk about it, which is it's really about relationships, and that it doesn't have to be one sided. That it's really these this mutually beneficial kind of thing. Um, but you know, you also talk about, and I thought it married a little bit with this idea of creating a network strategy this idea of creating ambassadors and also being very thoughtful about networking, both when you're in the job search, but also even beyond, right? Like it's something that we should be doing all along. Um, but can you say, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's a lot to say around networking, Don, but based on what I've kind of teed up, where what might you add or want to share or want people to kind of keep in mind around networking? Yeah, so you're going to have a whole other episode on networking alone. So I will I will focus on the concept of ambassadors and how it relates to being a switcher because I think it, the way I define it in the book is if you're if you have an ambassador, they not only are willing to go to bat for you or give you a testimonial or referral, but they also know what you bring to the table in terms of value to an employer. And 
value in terms of the the new role you want to be in. So that's really a key differentiator. Um, most of us have a number of people in our lives who we've met through school, volunteer, community events, workplaces, former colleagues. I mean, if you think about it and you start writing it down, you start to realize, wow, I have a much bigger network than I thought. And these are individuals who actually want to see me be successful and would help me if I asked them. And I certainly would help them if they asked me. But the thing that often gets in the way for switchers is we don't, we don't clearly tell these individuals what we're looking for and how we've, we've, rebranded ourselves to be a fit for this new role. And that's, that's the key part of being an ambassador. So my question is always, if, if you, um, asked your best friend or your roommate or your, your spouse or your adult children, whatever it is, you know, what, what you do on a daily basis, could they answer that question? I'm not talking, Oh, you work in technology or, Oh, you work at X name company. I'm talking specifically what you do. And for most of us, the answer is no. <laughs> they know we we go somewhere during the day and we bring a laptop and we <laughs> wear a suit, but that's about it. So I think that's one of the biggest things you can do for yourself as a switcher is let people know, um, you know, hey, I'm I'm looking to change my career path. This is how I bring value to the place I want to be. And these are the places I'm looking for. And chances are, you know, people are going to want to help you. People are going to ask you more questions about it. But I think we have to be willing to have that dialogue. I think the job search is a completely social process. Um, it, well, it should be, I should say, because for many of us, it's us sitting behind our laptop applying to jobs. And that's that's the hard way. But when you start sharing your goals, you know, and I know it might feel a little bit strange to go to dinner at a friend's house and say, Hey, you know, by the way, I just want to bring this up. But I think once we start doing that, you'll find that there's an exchange that people have other things that, that they want to share with you. And, and before you know it, you're all helping one another. And that's the piece that I think will make this process that much easier is don't look at this as a sitting behind my computer, sending out resumes process, because that is going to take you much longer than having conversations, which I know might feel a little bit vulnerable. But I think when you when you kind of put the hat on the other way and say, hey, would I help them if they asked me? And you're like, of course I would. Then you start to see hey, I'm in a job search right now. Maybe next year they will be and I'll have the opportunity to help them in a similar way. Yes, so many valuable insights there. And I think to pull through as well, like how important community is when one is going through a switch and on so many different levels, both from a standpoint of this kind of networking or leveraging these these extended networks that we have, but also in terms of just the moral support that we can get from people um, being able to have our backs and listen and be a, you know, a supporter through the process. And I know, Don, you were sharing, sharing earlier um, that you're an introvert. And yet you said like, this is a social process. And yet, you know, you also did research or PhD research on networking and different personality types. And I'm curious for those of us that are 
introverts who just heard you say this is a social process and they've already like broken out in hives. Like, do you have any (laughs) tips for like, okay, again, like perhaps just come at it from a standpoint of like, it's just a conversation. Are there other tips that you'd point them towards? Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. When I say, every time I say that out loud, I almost break out in hives because it's, it's not my natural space, right? I'm the person who wants to be at home with a good book. And um, so I get it that this is, this might feel a little uncomfortable. And, you know, I I think that's where how you define networking really comes into play. And it's really just staying in touch with people. It's really giving people a, a hook or something that they can help you with. So, you know, you see a lot of emails on LinkedIn, Hey, I'm looking for a job and it's very broad and it's, it doesn't really give you anything to work with, but you know, if you do the, again, going back to that responsibility, you do the work for them, you know, look up your, your friends or your cousins or your neighbors, whoever you're, you're talking with, look up their LinkedIn or, um, listen to what they say and say, Hey, you know, I know you mentioned you knew some people at X company. That's a company I'm interested in. Um, wondering if you'd be willing to make any introductions. So you do have to, to do the work for them is what I say is how can this person help me? And then have the, have the courage to ask, but, Yes, I get it. I get it. This feels a little bit uncomfortable. It's not what we we prefer to be doing, but but the reality is we can all help each other. And even if you can't help that person in the moment, chances are you can help somebody else. And and anybody who reaches out to me and asks for help, if I can help them, I will do it. But I will tell you there's a big difference between someone reaching out to me and saying, "Hey Don, I'm interested in these 25 companies. Do you know anyone?" versus somebody reaching out to me and saying, "Hey Don, I see you used to work at this company based on your LinkedIn profile. Is there anybody you still know in the human resources department?" Because that's a very specific thing that doesn't take a lot of my time, but certainly is easy for me to help. So that's that's the difference is really being, again, going back to this, this narrowing and focusing um, and strategy that you mentioned, really being strategic about it. Mm, mm, that's great counsel. Yes. Well, one thing we've talked a lot about kind of, well, I tried to keep us optimistic, right, Don? And then I, we've talked a lot about the realities. I'm curious if there is any common kind of switcher advice out there that like is a pet peeve of yours or that makes you cringe and you're kind of like, don't listen to that advice. Oh, that's an interesting one. I I think in all of my podcasts, I've never been asked that. So I love, I love this question. Um, so I would say anything that is, is sort of mass produced. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not going to say, you know, for everything I'll say, I don't think works very well. There's going to be one person who's going to say that actually worked for me. And that's how I got my job. And you know, that's fine. But you know, I'm not a big fan of, of mass, mass emails. I mean, you see these things on LinkedIn where they're like, Hey, you can, you can connect with up to 99 people a day. Look at the companies, start to connect to just reach out in mass. To me, that doesn't feel genuine and that doesn't feel good. And I think that's where some people start to say, yeah, that's why networking feels manipulative, but that's why I did my dissertation on that. The whole point of my, my research was what feels comfortable to you? Because it's kind of like exercise. 
everybody knows they should exercise, but the best advice I, I've heard about it is find something you enjoy and do that. It doesn't matter if it's the latest fad or whatever, but if you love pickleball and that's how you get your exercise, great. The, the point is pick the thing that you will do when it comes to networking. And if something doesn't feel genuine to you, chances are it's not going to, it's not going to work when it comes to, to something that, again, that you already feel slightly uncomfortable with. Mm, That's great. Great counsel and advice. And so don't do the mass thing, folks. (laughs) Listen to that advice. So I wanted to, given all of your experience, especially with the radio show, I wanted to bring in a final, well, second to last, hopefully we'll see how much time we have, but question given around just broader career advice and around how I think about one of the aspects of sustainable ambition, which is how do people potentially navigate their careers from decade to decade and kind of stage to stage? And I was curious if you had some broad, these are of course generalizations, but if you had some thoughts about like what people should be paying attention to in say their 20s versus 30s when they might be starting families or 40s or 50s and beyond, like do you kind of see some some themes of things that people should think about as they're going through these different stages of their career? Yeah. So, so it's an interesting question because I think it always depends on the market. I always tell people whenever you're looking at making a switch, you always have to look at the market because the market is always changing and that always has to be a a piece of it. And one of my favorite exploration questions is what challenge do you want to solve in the market today? Um, Because chances are there's a need for that um, and you're going to get paid for that. So that that's important. But I also think the way your career fits into your life changes for us decade to decade. And it's again, like you said, probably different for everyone. But I mean, when you're, when you're in your twenties, often you're exploring, you're figuring it out. You have ideas about what things might be like, but then you try it and it's different or you, you follow your friends because that's what everybody's doing, but you decide you don't like it. And, um, and you move around a lot and that's, that's pretty typical. Um, you know, your, your thirties tends to be that time when you're really adjusting to something you've kind of nailed something you like, and you're getting to be more of an expert at it. Um, you know, but you also might be starting a family or you also might be thinking about buying a home. And so financial pieces come into play that maybe weren't there when you were, when you were earlier in your career. Um, you know, as, as you move into your forties, this is when a lot of people want to make a switch (laughs) forties and fifties, because they say, wow, there's a lot of new careers out that didn't even exist when I was younger and they start to see them. And, and this is pretty common. It's a pretty common reason why people switch because there are new opportunities that are, are pretty interesting. And, um, you know, the great news about that is if it's a, if it's a new industry or a new market, chances are not a lot of people have <laughs> skills. So it might be a great place to, to switch into. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think it varies person to person, but, but you really, in my opinion, there's a quote that I heard a long time ago. I don't know if it's still true, but it, it said something that people spend more time planning a vacation than they do their career. And so what I would say at any stage, you really need to pay attention to it before you get burned out or before you get laid off. I've been laid off twice. Um, both times it turned out to be a great opportunity. So I always think when this, those kind of unexpected shifts happen, we need to grieve. We need to do what we need to do to, you know, kind of <laughs> 
feel through those emotions, but then oftentimes there's a good opportunity, but we, we need to be planning every year. And I say, think about things like, what did I learn this year that I could add to my resume or I could, that will help me be marketable. Um, and if, if you have a year or two that goes by and you don't really have a good answer for that, it might be time to make a switch. It might be time to sharpen your skills somewhere. Um, you know, so, so always, whether it's new year's or, you know, around your birthday, whatever it is, I think people need to spend some time every year evaluating what they've learned, who they've met, how they've expanded their network, um, you know, what's changed in the market and, and how their career fits into their life at this point in time. And I think if you do that, you'll always feel like no matter what curveballs come, you're going to land on your feet because you're getting ahead of it. Uh, I love all of what you just shared, Don. Thank you so much. I was going to ask you a final question on like, what's a parting piece of counsel or wisdom you'd love to leave listeners with? And I think that is a great way to end, which is to remind people like both you just shared these decade to decade kind of insights, but this idea, and it's something I preach as well, which is like pay attention and do regularly pay attention to your career and what's next for you. So this has been a fabulous conversation. I encourage people to pick up the book. There's so much detail. I was highlighting so many things, Don, in the book. Where can people find you if they want to keep in touch? The best place to find me is LinkedIn. And you can just type in Don Graham or Switchers or a combination of that. And you will you will certainly find me. <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. And I will, of course, capture that in the show notes. Thank you again for being on today and sharing all these insights. It's been super helpful. I appreciate it, Kathy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.